Kayak 6 deals with maintaining soil cover and reducing poaching, which is the one that's causing a lot of commentary at the moment in terms of catch crops. Kayak 7 then deals with the crop rotation and two and three crop rule and the new crop rotation commitment that they have to do over the next four years. Kayak 8 then is the other one that's looking at um, maintaining non-agricultural areas which used to be known as your ecological focus areas. That's kind of your hedgerows, your your boundaries, stone walls, things like that. So they're the main ones that, that, that tillage farmers have to be aware of. Farming is a continuum from one season to the next and from one year to the next. Planning for 2024 hasn't started on many farms, but will be upon most of us very shortly. Those farmers planting oilseed rape have started this process and growers with winter cereals should also start planning now. Getting the crop mix on a farm is important to spread risk, but also to comply with department regulations. You are listening to the latest episode of The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. We would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. The reinstatement of some of the cross-compliance rules in the GAICs, or Good Agricultural and Environmental Condition Standards, will need to be studied carefully before planting this year. To discuss this, I'm delighted again to be joined by Shay Phelan and Kieran Collins, who are both tillage specialists in Chagas, to chat about some of these rule changes and how they will affect how much and what crops should be planted on a farm. So Shay, there's a lot of rules out there which farmers must comply with every year, and there's some new rules which are coming to effect probably every other year. To claim the best payment, farmers must be compliant with all of these gate rules. So just in terms of those rules, Shay, what are those rules, I suppose, first of all, the, the, those gig rules? Yeah, Michael, you're right that, you know, when farmers claim their, their best payments or farming their BPS payments, they had to abide by different rules and regulations. Nitrates being one, standard uh, statutory management regulations being another, and you're right in terms of the good agriculture and environmental conditions they, they're the guy acts that they have to do um to look after so when they actually sign on the dotted line they're committing to abide by these rules and some of them would have been wrapped up in greening that they would have been applying for before in terms of the bps so they would be familiar with some of them the likes of buffer strips along rivers and water courses the likes of the two and the three crop rule things like that that would have been pretty familiar with but they were wrapped up in in um greening for more more and she she they were always enforced where they were a lot of those there over the last five or six or ten years were there? yes they would have been they would have been wrapped up in the greening michael okay. so they would have been probably most people would be familiar with those like, like i said the two and the three crop rule the 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 regulations around when you could plow grassland and when you could use um, non-selective herbicides, they were all part of GAIAC rules as well, but they were just wrapped up as greening, if you like, in a different terminology. So, Shay, we might just maybe just have a look at the, what are the main headings around those rules? You might just give us a flavour of, 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 of the major ones that are there. Yeah, so there's nine of them, Michael. Okay, so there's called GAIAC one to nine. Okay, so there's different... Each one has a different um, has a different direction or a different emphasis. Okay, so probably the first one there that people would be familiar with is the treatment of the maintenance of permanent pasture. While it's not particularly um, applicable to tillage farmers, most of them would would be familiar with it in terms of rules and regulations about ploughing up grassland. Um, other ones there, like I said, that probably tillage farmers will be familiar with. Uh, GAIAC three deals with the ban on burning arable stubble. So we haven't been able to burn stubbles for a long number of years, and that's wrapped up in GAIAC three. Buffer strips, as I've mentioned earlier on, is buff is is in four, um, and then there's other ones like maintaining soil cover, crop rotation, as I said earlier on, two and three crop rule, and there's a new one coming in there which we can talk about later on. So there's all those type of 
of um, GAIACs that are good agriculture and environmental conditions that farmers have to maintain their, their, their farms in. And are there some new ones over the last couple of years that weren't there in the past that, that people mightn't be as familiar with? Yeah, there are a couple of new ones. The ones kind of I suppose that are mainly dealing with, with tillage are um, the, the, the rotation, the crop rotation, uh, which is in GAIAC 7. So that's probably one that most people aren't overly familiar with at the moment. And there are other ones then in terms of, I know it's getting a lot of airplay at the moment, in terms of catch crops and how you how you graze catch crops, there are which are kind of wrapped up, if you like, in nitrates as well. So they're kind of interlinked, a lot of these, with nitrates and prevention of loss of nutrients into water as well. So there, there are a couple there that, you know, people need to be aware of. So for, for those GAIC rules or GAEC rules, most people can probably find those, Shay, I think, on, on the internet with a simple search. Um, but just for the ones that are most relevant to tillage farmers, you might just remind us about those again. Yeah, there's, as I said, Michael, there's nine of them. So I'll go through the ones that are probably most pertinent to tillage farmers. GAIAC one is about the maintain, maintenance of grassland. Okay, so while you might say that mightn't have a whole lot of um, relevance to tillage farms, it does if you're going to plough up grassland. So they need to be aware of the issues around that. GAIAC three. Uh, deals with the banning of uh, burning stubbles, which we're all familiar with. GAIAC 4 deals with uh, buffer strips along water courses. And again, if we're ploughing, we need to know what the buffers are there. That's changed from 2 metres to 3 metres uh, and 6 metres for late harvested crops. Uh, number 5 then deals with the reducing the risk of soil degradation and, and, and soil erosion. GAIAC 6 deals with maintaining soil cover and reducing poaching, which is the one that's causing a lot of... Um, commentary at the moment in terms of catch crops. GAIAC 7 then deals with the um, deals with the crop rotation and two and three crop rule and the new crop rotation um, uh, uh, commitment that they have to do over the next four years. GAIAC 8 then is the other one that's looking at um, maintaining non-agricultural areas which used to be known as your ecological focus areas. That's kind of your hedgerows, your your boundaries, um, stone walls, things like that. So they're the main ones that that, that tillage farmers have to be aware of. Well, nearly all of them, I suppose, in fairness, people need to be aware of pretty much all of them. Um, Kieran, I'm going to bring you in here. Um, I'm, I'm going to go down to maybe focus a little bit more around the the the, the GAG 7, uh, which is around crop rotation. You might just maybe explain, because I think there's two elements to this, you might explain maybe the first part of that, which is around um, diversification, how farmers can uh, comply with those rules. Yeah, I suppose, as, as she already said, Michael, there's there's two ends to it. One is, is crop rotation, which is having maybe a different crop in a parcel over four years, and I'll come back to it in a second. And the other then is crop diversification, which I suppose farmers are more familiar with. I suppose the main difference now is it's part of, of, of Guy X7 that, that you say. So I suppose the other thing to remember there is we, we've had an exemption from the crop diversification uh, this year. So I suppose when farmers are planning their cropping, you know, after this harvest, it is very important to keep in mind that, as you know, where we as we speak here today, this is in force for 24. So the planning for that starts now. So just to, maybe just to remind people, like you know, farms with an arable area, um, you know, equal or greater to 10, but less than 30, must establish uh, at least two arable crops. And the main arable crop there can't occupy any more than 75% of the arable area. So that's for the guys between 10 and 30. And then where you've greater than 30 hectares, 
uh, you need at least three crops. And again, the main crop can't be more than 75 and crops one and two added together can't be more than 95. So people will be familiar with that as the two, three crop rule is probably more a uh, common term that's used. But I suppose really just to reiterate that, you know, when you are planning your, your cropping for Harvest 24, just to be aware of this um, crop diversification or two, three crop rule that, that will be enforced for next year. There are, I suppose, most people would be, as, as you say, uh, they they are reasonably familiar with this two, three crop rule, uh, as you say. But just to give people a reminder again, because it's probably two years since people really engaged in this end of it. You might, do you have a couple of examples there in, in terms of a farm, in terms of the ratios of those crops there to for a farmer to comply with those rules? Yeah, I suppose the first thing, it's it's by crop rather than crop species. So I suppose winter and spring barley or winter and spring wheat or winter and spring oats are, are different crops. So I suppose that's a, an important one, as are beans and rape. They're all they're all separate crops. So, you know, if I've got two crops on a on a on a on a um, say a 100 hectare farm, you know, and I'm predominantly growing spring barley, I can't have any more than 75 hectares of, of spring barley. And then I need a second crop for argument's sake. That's being said 25 percent of the area and then if i'm over 30 hectares again you know 70 you know the 75 percent again of my total area can't be any more than say spring barley just using that example i would need a second crop say you know maybe 20 percent of say winter barley and then a five percent maybe of uh, a third crop you know say beans or oilseed rape or something like that so again i suppose it's important to say that it's it's crop type rather than than species Okay, so it's just a matter of doing the maths, I suppose, at the start of the year. But I suppose it, it probably is quite important in terms of planning out a uh, a winter crop rotation at the moment that um, you'd only get one chance to do it and you don't want to be in a position of having to um, re-sow areas, I suppose, it would be the thing. Yeah, and I suppose a practical element of it as well is like, you know, especially we're, we're you know, in the middle of a messy harvest, like if you're over-reliant on one crop, you know, that can cause difficulties as well. So I suppose, you know, this isn't always negative and to have a spread of crops, I think, across the farm, you know, be it winter or spring, depending on your soil type and your markets available for your crops. So I think crop diversification is 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 a, is a good thing anyway, you know. Okay, Shay, I will bring you back in here in terms of the second part of that Cake 7 rules, which is really around crop rotation. Um, I, I think that's on a, on a parcel basis. Is there not a bit of an overlap with what Kieran was just after explaining? Yeah, there, there certainly is, Michael. And I suppose that's where the bit of confusion probably is around this in terms of what Kieran is talking about is on an annual basis. So you have to have a certain number of crops on your claim form every year on an annual basis. But what the other part of the crop rotation um, is dealing with is, as you say, Mike, on a per parcel basis over a four-year cycle. So on every parcel in the country, if it's an arable, arable parcel in the country, we'll have to have a different crop in it between now and 2026. And unlike the diversification rules and regulations or exemptions for this year, the crop rotation um, clock, if you like, is already ticking. So 2023 was year one of the crop rotation cycle. 24 is year two, 25 is year three, and they must have a different crop in it by 2026 at the latest. Okay, so they have to they have to claim a different a different crop or a different species, as Kieran has already explained or outlined, between now and 2026. So you might give us a, a couple of examples of how that might work. 
Yeah, so it's no different really, I suppose, from what Kieran has outlined there, that if you have winter or spring crops, winter be it winter barley or spring barley, they're classified as two different crops. But what would be different is, or what would be classified as the same, say, would be if you had spring malting barley, spring feed barley uh, and spring seed barley, they would all be classified as spring barley. So they would be classified as the same. So they wouldn't qualify as a as a, a different crop per se in any given year. So if we had spring barley uh, in 2023 uh, and we had spring barley in 2024, spring barley in 2025 and winter barley in 2026, that would be fine. Likewise, if we go with something like a break crop, if we put in a break crop of oilseed rape or beans or peas or fodder beet or maize or something like that obviously you don't generally grow those crops probably with the exception of maize every year so one of those crops in that parcel over that four-year period would qualify you as well so in the same kind of regard it's probably always always been described in 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 a particular way but in the same regard let's just say uh, a farmer had a field and there was a uh, winter wheat in it just in this year um and the plan was then to go back with winter barley in it for the next year and then it was spring barley in it for the following year uh, or sorry winter barley then for the next three or four years I, is it okay that it was a different crop at the very start and then it was the same crops for the following three years yeah it is michael but i suppose what you have to be careful of it's a, it's a four-year cycle so if we take we grew winter wheat in 2023 and then we grew winter barley in 24 25 and 26 in 2027 then you can't grow spring or winter barley so you have to put in a different crop as well because your four-year cycle starts with those three previous crops it's a rolling it's a rolling cycle so it's not it's it's not that it's a separate four-year or uh, cycle in 2027 it's a continuing rolling cycle so just keep just keep an eye on it i suppose yeah. as, as as farmers go along yeah okay karen in terms of those rules is there any way around those rules and everyone will be probably thinking about that um because i think i remember in the past there was a there was a requir- th- those requirements could have been fulfilled if the farmer put in a certain amount of cover crops yeah, d- there are some exemptions, Michael. Um, I suppose the main one really from the crop rotation that, that Shay just spoke about is um, if you have an arable area greater than uh, 10, but but less than 50, and if 50% of that arable area is sown to barley, you're, they're exempt from the crop rotation. Okay, so that's that's important. Important point on that exemption is you may still be subject to, to crop diversification. So just to repeat that one, if you're greater than 10, less than 50, half of the area is sown to barley, you're exempt under the crop rotation, but the crop diversification might kick in there. But then there's a second alternative or an option maybe that that people might look at and that's growing a secondary crop which is obviously a catch or, or a cover crop so in that scenario at least 50 percent of the arable area at farm level is sown in a catch crop okay but all parcels must see a catch crop over the four-year cycle okay so i suppose look there is there is an exemption there in in in, in that sense if you're committed to to sowing catch crops around the farm okay so this is so if you're going to go down that route that takes a little bit of planning and it's probably maybe best to talk talk to your advisor or give a little bit more help on that because there's a certain a bit of overlap there potentially kieran um in terms of some of those green covers or catch crops in terms of the requirement that the farmer might have already signed up to what yeah. would happen if the farmer's kind of running out of area if you like 
Yeah, I suppose what, what you're what you're getting at there, if 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 the farmer is in acres, so the catch crop under acres won't count towards GAIAC seven, and that's that's hugely important. So if you're looking at your fifty percent um, arable area sown to a catch crop, you just need to firstly have a look at your acres commitment, you know, and then see have I got enough land then for the other 50% that'll get me the exemption. So really there's there's a lot of planning done around this. I suppose those that are in acres already, you know, they'll be sowing the catch crops these days. So, you know, have a look at that and then have a look at the land area that's left within your overall cropping program. I think that's that's the way to do it. And I think, Michael, it's very good advice. What you said there is you probably need to sit down with your advisor, maybe the person that drew up your, your acres plan or, or maybe helps you with your BIS application and just put that jigsaw together and see if it'll work on your farm, you know, because, you know, it may not work for everyone. As you say, you could actually potentially run out of ground, you know. And of course, some of these people looking at all these green covers or catch crops might be thinking that God, I can I can make some money out of grazing those. There's there's rules in there that we, we talked about on this podcast last week. Um, you might just remind us, remind us again just about those, Karen. But, but certainly anybody can go back and listen to last week's episode to try and get the full details of that. Yeah, again, sorry now for complicating this again, but the catch crop sown under this, say, alternative to crop rotation and diversification, uh, they must remain in place until the 1st of, of December. Um, if you've got acres catch crops there, the 1st of January. So I suppose they're the, the two crucial dates there on that one. Okay, and, and, and the grazing, they must, if, if, they're, if they're going to graze, they must have grassland associated with that as well. So that puts a, a more complicated scenario, I suppose, all the yeah. more reason to... Um, to really sit down and uh, work it through or, or perhaps get a bit of advice on it. Shay, I just want to bring in for the last question here in terms of the, you know, in terms of people are in the planning stage of of maybe putting back in crops into, into, into ground again this year. You might maybe remind people about the buffer zones and the requirements for those um, before people start cultivating and plowing and, and, and that, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's a good reminder, all right, Michael, that um, the buffer zones have changed uh, as of uh, January 2023. So if farmers are sowing crops now uh, and they have water courses or anything that can hold water, um, and I kind of have that in my own head as if if if, if you get an inspection, uh, is it likely that there could be water in a drain or whatever it happens to be uh, on the day of inspection? So if there's a risk that there would be there, I am inclined to keep out three meters from those areas. Obviously, rivers and lakes and whatever would also be the same. Um, so you keep out three meters for all crops on those. So whether it be sowing cereals uh, or or other crops, uh, proteins or oilseed rape, you keep out three meters. And, and Shay, this used to be two meters. This used to be right? two meters. Yeah. So it's about protecting water courses. That's why that's why their buffer zones are increasing because they want to reduce down the levels of, of phosphorus and nitrogen or phosphorus mainly soil runoff in, in water courses and that's the reason for it um, the other ones then I suppose just to be aware of if we go from the next the next stage out if you're growing say non-forage crops and this is more pertinent next spring when people might be growing to grow uh, maybe something like kale or fodder rape or something next spring there must be a 4 metre strip along water courses as well so that if they're grazing them in situ there has to be a minimum of four meters of a buffer strip along those water courses and then the other one which is was probably um, most uh, late harvested crops that people are growing so the likes of uh, beet likes of maize uh, potatoes uh, those sort of crops there must be a six meter 
buffer zone for for those crops. So that's that's one that caused a lot of controversy, I suppose, early in the spring. But again, it's still there; it hasn't gone away. So if you're in those late harvested crops, so anything that's harvested after mid September, uh, if you're growing crops that are going to be harvested harvested after those, you must leave a minimum of six meters as well. Okay, and I suppose Shay, uh, the final word on this: uh, probably good practice on the on the the, the long term buffer zones beside some of those lakes and rivers and dry dikes and that kind of thing that they would be sown down to a competitive grass species. Would that be a reasonable thing to say? Uh, absolutely, Michael. Um, yeah, it, w- it it would be good practice, um, and I suppose just something to be aware of on that. Uh, and people do do like to to maybe top some of these and what have you. So. I would say be on the strong side of a, of a three meters. You don't want to be trying to, you know, grow a very narrow sort of narrow three meters, if you know what I mean, and trying to top that with a with a topper or a hedge cut or something like that. There's all sorts of health and safety issues with with those sort of things. So you need to you need to be um, generous with your three meter margins, if you know what I mean. So if you're looking for more details on all of the rules that we discussed here, if you just Google gov.ie conditionality. It should be the first or the second search there from 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 that Google web page. Shay, thank you very much for your time and same to Kieran as well. Um, there's lots of rules there where farmers are really going to have to uh, sit down and study them before they um, you know, uh, hook up to the cultivation equipment or, or or put any seed into the ground to make sure they're on the right side of all these rules. So guys, thanks again for your time. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for this week. And my thanks to Shay and Kieran for joining me on the show. Just to remind you again, a date for your diary is Friday, September the 8th, when we will have the Crops Forum in the Kilishi Hotel in Nace. We will cover a number of topics this year, including new varieties, agronomy for the autumn, the new MAC or climate change model for tillage, and also a discussion with stakeholders around the future of the tillage industry. So finally, don't forget, if you enjoyed the podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chargus.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.